This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, where the Seahawks are still in the playoffs. Yes, nothing has changed from our Sunday jubilation. And so we have our wild card, because that's what the Seahawks are in. Wild card mm. news, round up and chat. Tied. And also because that's what we are. We're wild cards, baby. Wow. There we go. Mm-hmm. Ty, how excited are you? Very excited. Very excited to be here, uh, both on the show and in the playoffs, of course. I mean, it's tough being a Seahawks fan, right? Like, they they missed the playoffs one year. Like, that's difficult. Yeah, I mean, that's really difficult, you know, having to take these, you know, gap years, which it's been, what, four in the Pete Carroll era. But then, you know, we just get right back to it. So it's it's okay in the end. You know, that that alleviates at least some of the pain from the previous year. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's just, it's really tough being a Seahawks fan, you know, going to the, to the playoffs, you know, 10 times out of 13 years or however many it's been at this point. So, yeah, I think we deserve this, you know. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I think we've earned this, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't you guys chat? So it was, I was feeling particularly petty and I went through all of the, uh, all of the replies I got in the off season saying that Mm. people telling me to go seek help. Uh, right. Um, yep. You know, that yep. sort of stuff. People, uh, there was tweets saying that Pete Carroll should be crucified. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just your standard, like, standard, you know, yeah. Normal football analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is very cool. The wait, Seattle sports Twitter overreacting about the people in charge of their uh, favorite team. Crazy. Mm. I, I think Pete Carroll has imagine. more than earned the benefit of the doubt now. Um, I would say so too. I don't know if you can call it Schadenfreude, but uh, it's similar. There's probably a very long German word for the the sensation that is being felt now. We'll just say it is. We'll we'll just say that it is, just because it's really fun to say. So, yeah. Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so the vibes around the team are very. It kind of it kind of sounds like Schottenheimer, right? So. Oh, too soon, Ty. Uh, Although. Oh, he he may mm. be he may be uh is he is he got a job is he I don't think he has a job I don't think he's coaching for anyone 
Yeah, I hear there's a coaching opening in Denver right now. Yeah, that that's well, maybe we can talk about that a bit later. But mm-hmm. for now, the Seahawks vibes are very cool. The official team account tweeted out a video which starts with Geno Smith dancing. Um, right. Doing the gritty, kind of. It's like a it's like a really lazy gritty. I'm gonna be real about it. I'm pretty disappointed in this gritty from Gino. I I won't go this far, but he's pretty. Cl- he had me pretty close to saying that Mike Gasicki has a better gritty than him, which I mean, is he, devastating. It, that is. It looks devastating. like he's wearing not. I don't know what he's wearing. Like training shoes, like weightlifting shoes. I think so. Maybe that impacts oh, his gritty. I don't want my quarterback doing. I mean, heck, Adam Schefter, a uh, notorious athlete himself, didn't he tear mm. his? <laughs> he tear something he... doing the gritty. Wait, doing the gritty? <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. I mean, you know, um, Gino, why can't we do a, like another TikTok dance, like a different TikTok dance, like the the Renegade? We all love the yeah. Renegade here. Yeah, Schefter tore his meniscus doing the gritty. Um, he really... <laughs> yeah. That's that's um, not a that's not a joke. That's not like an onion article. Oh my gosh. And it happened January 6th. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's, wow, wow. That's great. That's the lovely content. Big fan of that. Anyway, my point being, Ty, the gritty uh is fine that Gino is is not exerting himself. But what makes the video mm. very cool is then to the right of screen. Pete Carroll comes in on a scooter. Yeah, Razor scooter. White with light blue trim. Mm-hmm. And he scoots past. I think someone actually identified the the scooter. It's wow. so it's not like it's not like a razor scooter, but it's like a yeah, it, it, there's some brand, I think. <laughs> but that, that dude, he's whipping that thing. Like he's not he's not just like slowly, you know like going about it like he's he hit that corner pretty hard yeah he was he was a menace he was he yeah. had places to be meetings yeah. to attend you know like he almost he, he almost like took out laquan treadwell yeah because that's the other guy in the shot laquan treadwell yeah. sort of uh d is I mean, also there I, d Eskridge is also in I mean, there he's doing like a very lazy saturday night fever kind of thing or not even that just little he's doing little the he's illegal. he's i think he's doing the antonio brown thing Oh. The from when Antonio Brown performed, where he was doing that. So that's unfortunate. What do we call that? The windscreen wipers. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Okay. We'll go with Less that. Less said about him. Okay. Mm. So the point being, the vibes around the team seem very, very relaxed. They're very excited about having another chance to play football. Basically, where they're a national underdog. No one's picking the Seahawks. Mm. Yeah. The opening line is crazy um mm. this i i think i saw it at 10 points and um yeah they've got nothing to lose and what's more dangerous than a peak how team where like the defense is given no chance the offense is told that they, they're not going to be able to score points not much and every time they've had nothing to lose in games they do tend to play it closer than we expected now, the second time they played the 49ers tie was 
in Pete Carroll's eyes, I think, a bit closer than we thought, perhaps. Like, it never felt like they were close, even though the game was kind of close. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was 21-6 to six for the, most of the game, and then they scored, like, a garbage-time touchdown, and that made it you know one score game at the end of it so i don't know that that yeah. feels like a little skewed but then like the i mean yeah the bus like yeah like i don't know like you you guys seem pretty like you you guys didn't seem like you were okay with it uh after watching the tape so yeah it's more the the offense looked like they were never going to do anything that was the problem right right and i mean they were you know they were a bit understaffed on defense in that game as well and they're going to be mm. a little bit better equipped it seems we'll get into the injury report mm. and all that mm. well i guess yeah. well no 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 jordan brooks yeah, that, yeah 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 never mind ignore what i said so i mean defensive line at least because mm. like al, al al didn't play in that game right no and shelby didn't play in that game right no. was that the game that shelby missed yeah, yeah. so like they'll have those guys at least but yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but the, the vibes around Jordan the team, Brooks, <laughs> the vibes around the team are dangerous. And just, yeah. despite all the losses and the, and that, I think the losses and the like, the new role players who are emerging, like um, Jonathan Abram, mm-hmm. it kind of adds a you know what have we got to lose? Phil, they weren't you know like Abram wasn't supposed to be here, so he he has nothing to lose. And yeah, that is dangerous. Yeah, no, it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, like we saw that with the, you know, the Saints game all the way back uh, in 2010. Um, you know, it was a pretty similar situation um, in terms of just like, you know, uh, no one even thinks that it's going to be close. Um, and, you know, I tweeted <laughs> tweeted a couple of days ago, like the, the Seahawks have to be very unhinged to, to win this game. Um, and I'm talking like wolf gray jerseys on action green pants type of unhinged like that, that like really really massively unhinged to to win this game because i mean with all the injuries they've suffered there's obviously just the general talent gap you know there between these two teams um but yeah you know it seems like they're they're loose you know this week and that's good you know and uh, you see it in that video like they're like I, i i also you know tweeted last night like the more that i watch that video the more i feel like they might mess around and actually do this thing so who knows like they just like they seem like they're having fun right and they they're just enjoying just you know kind of being here and we'll see what happens we'll see what happens they would in some ways be a statistical outlier so the Mm -hmm. as much as it's fun to say it's hard not to be a it's hard not to lose to a team three times in a row or especially in a season or beat a team three times in a season Mm -hmm. obviously seattle's lost the last two games against san francisco in the regular season the Data from past years is is not favorable to them, which I get. I mean, is that actually surprising? No. If you want to be a Debbie Downer, fine. So, and we we are we do pride ourselves on being realistic here rather than purely optimistic. So, the Forty Niners. There's there's a bit of cope. There's a bit of cope. Yeah, not here. not we, from we're, us. We're known. Well, not from us. That's right. Yeah. Not from not from this. From not from the two thirds of this uh, podcast, but uh, the right. one that is missing, the one third that is missing. There's there's quite a bit of cope. Yeah. So, but, yeah. the 49ers will be the twenty fifth team in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era to go two and O versus a team in the regular season and then play them in the playoffs. Mm. In the past, from those twenty four other games, those teams are fourteen and ten in the third game. 
with the Niners losing last year to the Rams. Only I mean, 14 four, and 10, huh? 14 and 10 is all right, isn't it? I mean, that's pretty good, but that's not like, I don't know. That's, I, I, I kind of feel like, especially in these situations, because there is such a huge, like there's oftentimes such a huge talent gap between these two teams, um, mm. that it would be, that it would be a higher one total. However, Ty, the teams that hosted the third game, uh-huh. uh, 13 and six. So that gives gotcha. it a bit. Gotcha. So that six, so the six teams who went 2-0 in the regular season against an opponent and then lost at home in the playoffs in that third meeting in the Super Bowl era are 2020 Saints versus Bucks, 2007 Cowboys versus Giants, which we covered on Sunday because obviously that was the start of the Giants' fairy tale Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. 2004 Packers versus Vikings, 1998 Cowboys versus Cardinals, 1994 Vikings versus Bears, 1969 Raiders versus Chiefs. Mm. So, I mean, th- those odds aren't awful, but I mean, like we said, while it would be cool for Seattle to do it, it's it gotta, it's hey, hey, it's gotta happen sometime. It's gotta it happen sometime. So, why not now? Hey, why not us? <laughs> Why not us, Maddie? Yes, and look at this. 1994-1998. That's uh-huh. four years in between. Then uh-huh. wait a bit. 2004-2007. Three mm. years in between. Then okay. 2020. Why not 2022? Exactly. Because exactly. then, this is Why very not? advanced analysis, but, um, okay, it's, it skipped 2010, but the 2010s, but, you know, that is weird, whatever. But 1994-1998 mm-hmm. is four. Then 2004 to 2007 is three. Then 2020 to 2022 is two. So wait, who did it in 2020 again? Who was the last uh, one to do it? Saints versus Bucks. So I imagine. So the Bucks beat yeah. the. Because they. Okay, and then 20 Brady. and then 2007 was the Giants, right? Yeah. So both of those teams went on to win the Super Bowl. There. So, hmm. what I'm saying is, hmm. beat San Francisco. I mean, like one can make the argument that San Francisco is the best team in this field, even though that they're the second seed. One can yeah. make the argument that they are the best team. So if you beat the best team, I mean, no, well, from what you've seen from them and the, like the way they've handled the injuries to their key players, and then the mm. fact that you know Debo Samuel's now back, mm. uh, McCaffrey's like got through some stuff he was managing. Mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell suddenly looks like a threat, like. They're stacked. They're actually stacked. Their their offense is yeah. stacked, and then you know what their defense is like. Where mm-hmm. they've been blessed with relatively good health on the defense, which obviously helps. But like the big cope is like there's no way that Waldron can call another bad game. Like the plan against them last time was like no under center. It was like all shotgun, if you remember, which was like mm-hmm. absolutely confounding. It just did not make yeah. sense. The difference between that game and now is that Seattle seems to have found more of a run game and and more under center formations and looks. So mm-hmm. hopefully, cope wise, hopefully that makes a difference. Obviously, against the Jets, they started the game with some clever under center runs against the Jets front, which is almost as talented as the 49ers, but more importantly, plays in a similar schematic style and structure as 
you know, Robert Salah's defense as uh, Demico Ryan's is. So that is a big learning moment, I think, for Seattle. And hopefully they'll find some similar success, even though they did sort of melt down in the second half against the Jets. But maybe they can learn from that too. Cope, 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 cope. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fun. Enjoy it. I'm looking Saturday forward to night, it. Have a few, uh, few beverages, few uh, nice snacks. Yeah. I, I'm Look, I'm excited. The Seahawks are back in the playoffs. That's a lot of fun. It's really cool that they made it here, like this year of all the years. Um, especially where, you know, a lot of folks thought they were going to end up being. So this is cool. This is really cool. Uh, this is all just, you know, gravy for me, really. Cause like I'm very happy with, you know, this year and how this year went as a whole and some of the developments that we saw. And so, yeah, this is a success to me, no matter what. I yeah. know, I know, though, that it is going to get weird on Twitter if this game does not go well, uh, especially if the off, especially if the offense doesn't perform great. Things yeah, are going, I, things are going to get it, really annoying about the Geno conversation for the next couple. I don't necessarily like because I think Seattle's in their mind they want you know to extend Geno, which like do yeah, but um, my positive spin on if Geno. Not necessarily struggles, but like the production stays like there's been a second half decline for a multitude of reasons. Most of them not on Gino's shoulders, mm. most on the supporting cast sort of falling apart around him. But like there are a few process things that were pulled up in the tape podcast and past episodes. Anyway, my positive spin is that that just makes the contract more team friendly in the cap kind of stuff. I want Gina to get his money, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But from a roster building standpoint, it's actually probably a positive in the long term for Seattle. That's very copy as well. That's very, that's very copy. And yeah. and and boot licorice. No, no, no. I no, I want Gino to get as much money as he wants and he still will <laughs> no, have you, you're take, you're Jody Allen's super fan, Matty F. Brown. This is I will not accept this. He also turns thirty-three in October, so I'm sure I'm sure the team will have protections on all, all of this stuff, as I said in my article on him at Seahawks on tape. Mm, mm. Right. But yeah, oh, no, the, the... Uh, by the way, Ty, I uh. sorry, sorry, I won't accept this. I wrote before the Jets game that the Seahawks must pay Geno Smith and extend him. So Hogwash. I, I'm I'm a big Geno Smith supporter. And obviously in the really? season I said 12 plays, which shows Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith is primed to prove doubters wrong. No, I remember I, I, I remember you saying Drew Wu should be the guy. They need to go with Drew Wu or else they're going to go 3-14. and 14. I, I remember re- saying uh, that Geno started uh, as like a jokey tweet about Russell Wilson in 2021, that Geno mm. <clears throat> came into the offense rusty, and then Geno dunked on me. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. right. So you are so you are a Geno hater, obviously. Yeah, there's documented yeah. proof. Yeah, yeah. He uh. he thinks you're a hater. Mm. It's 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 kind of it's kind of funny that uh, just to <laughs> all jokes aside here, it is pretty funny that he he did dunk on one of his biggest supporters. <laughs> he didn't know. 
You didn't, didn't know. know. You didn't know, but the and that, irony in and that, that is right really there funny. Is the the problem with Twitter? You, it's, you yeah. it's all out. It's all out of context. It's all right. uh, li- mm. little snippets, and that's, that's right. How well? Right. Well, now, now, starting next month, we we can add all the context we want. Four thousand character tweets. <laughs> God. All right. Great. Let's let's uh, move on. But but Ty, if. Uh, if Pete Carroll wears a hat on Saturday, mm. the Seahawks are going to win, right? That's correct. That's correct. As per the uh, definitive Pete Carroll fit tracker on uh, sheets.com, uh, docs.google.com, rather, slash spreadsheets. Um, yeah. I made a... Uh, I, I'm crazy. and uh, Yeah, this is deranged. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, no, I admit it. I'm not going to I'm not going to play around here. I'm not going to, you know, cope here. I I I don't know what got into me that night, but you know, you and I, well, I mean, like obviously I saw you and John Boyle talking about it. Um about him wearing a hat and Boyle said that, you know, he did wear a hat another time uh during a 2010 game against the Cardinals and I was like, okay. That's interesting. And then, like, you and I have talked amongst ourselves about Pete wearing gray and how I always feel like they lose whenever Pete wears gray. And so that inspired me to uh, do some digging. And then all of a sudden, that turned into uh, that that's on the screen, that monstrosity there that's on the screen right now. Uh, the Pete Carroll, the definitive Pete Carroll fit tracker, that is where I went. Every sing- went through every single regular season and postseason game and marked down every single color and style of shirt or top that he wore and then uh, compiled all the times that he wore it and the records in which uh, for each clothing item. How did I do this, you might ask? Uh, by going on Imogen.com. That's I-M-A-G-N dot com and uh searching uh searching for photos from every game so i had the espn schedules pulled up on on one tab and then imogen on another and i would just search pete carroll and then the opponent name and uh for 2010 i'd just go all the way back to the last page and essentially look to see if there was a photo there that lined up with the date of the game and confirm what he was wearing and then log that and then for some of the games uh, where there weren't any uh, photos like uh, for instance their 24 to 21 loss to the Dolphins in Miami in 2012 we all remember that game you know one where Russell Wilson completed like 18 passes in a row or something crazy like that and uh, tied a franchise record yeah that game uh, there was no there were no pictures of him so I had to go on YouTube and look at highlights and try to find a shot of him and you know what I did, and he was wearing this long sleeve white quarter zip thing that he wore. If you remember, during the fail Mary game, you guys all remember uh, that. I'm sure you guys all have the image of Pete Carroll burning your brain of him, you know, raising his hands, pumping his fists when they uh, when they called it a touchdown. So mm. that shirt, what he was wearing there, he was wearing in Miami as well, or the Leon Washington game. There were no images of Pete during the Leon Washington game. Of course, the game where Leon Washington returned to kickoffs for touchdowns against the chargers to beat philip rivers north turner and the chargers uh there were no pictures of pete in that game so i had to go on youtube.com and uh find a a shot of pete there and he was wearing a navy hoodie which he wore in his first game 
with the Seahawks. And he, wore in, and he wore in Super Bowl 48 when they won. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, you know, funny enough, though, the one the shirt that he's worn the longest, the, the long sleeve tee, and obviously he's worn many iterations of it, but the Navy long sleeve tee, he's worn that 74 times, won a lot of games in there, lost the Super Bowl, though. Yeah. In it. And so. the tie. And the tie. And the tie. Had the tie. Yeah. So that's... uh. Yeah, wearing that shirt down in Arizona specifically has not worked out particularly well mm. for uh, for Pete. But so if what what all this data says essentially well, well, the the purpose of this data, if mm. we compile all of this and study well, it, it may it may suggest that things aren't okay at home. So is everything okay at home, Ty? Yeah, I'm definitely not being held hostage. Okay, if I was being held hostage, I would say the words, I'm being held hostage. Please send help. Here is my address. It is. But I wouldn't say that because I'm no. not being held hostage right no. now. Yes. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Not to, uh, you know, um, you know, fulfill anyone's sick uh, Pete Carroll related fantasies or anything like that. Definitely not. Right. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, if we there compile... are people out there like that. That's right. That's right. But not me. Sometimes, and, and, right. and not, sometimes and not anyone just, that uh, friends, you know. That's right. And and certainly not me. And certainly not anyone that might be, you know, just a little bit out of frame right now on camera. Uh there's definitely not a gun pointed at me right now. Whoa. Definitely. Okay. Definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. Terms of service. <laughs> In terms of service. Yeah. Def definitely not. Okay. So uh, the uh, if we compile all this information, mm. we can determine that Pete Carroll should wear a hat on Saturday for the most optimal fit on Saturday. Pete Carroll should wear a hat because he's two and zero in a baseball hat, and he should wear a navy hoodie because he's forty five and twenty one. Uh, you got me sample size. Yeah, because I was thinking. I well, firstly, I have a question. Okay. Um, two questions. What is so okay? Three questions is the raincoat mm. like the big, like overcoat thing, you know? Like uh, the, with the seal the, yeah, logo, the, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, 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 okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Secondly, is the mock what is a mock neck? It's like it's like kind of a turtleneck, but it's looser. It's like okay. not a. It's like it's kind of like halfway yeah. up on the neck. It's like and he only, thing. And he only wore that in twenty ten or twenty eleven. It was like this thing. It was oh. back when it was still Reebok. It was. Oh, it was a Reebok sounds, one. That sounds really nice. And um, all it and all it had was like the NFL equipment little logo right on the collar, and that was. Oh, it. I know the one. Great yeah. description. There you uh, go. And then thirdly. A long sleeve polo like this is polo shirt material and it's long sleeve it's long sleeve and so it has these little white like things uh, near the shoulder there's like a little white like stripe that sounds kind of fire a, kind of on the it's shoulder really not fire though one of three so i that was I, a that was a that was another reebok one yeah sounds like it so i i would like baseball hat and then it's been played fairly early, like midday heat in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So maybe we get him a, a white mock neck. Bring that back. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's one and oh. So one and oh. And that's a that's a W. 
or a gray windbreaker. Now, you know, he's not very good in gray hoodies, but gray windbreakers want to know. And Which is he's what wore, he, was, he was wearing that with the baseball hat. With the baseball hat. That's the in game. The 2010 Cardinals That's, game went rained. That, so maybe and it's going to be raining in Santa Clara apparently. So there we go. I think we've cracked the case that actually the most optimal fit for Pete Carroll on Saturday is to bring back the gray windbreaker yes. with the baseball hat. And obviously you need a windbreaker because like 11 mile per hour winds apparently expected mm. at, in Santa Clara. You know, oh, really? we want, yeah, wow. you gotta you gotta protect yourself, right? Oh no, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you could get the uh, the mock neck underneath that. <laughs> yeah, there we go, there we go. We can get a mock neck underneath it. Maybe even a camo hoodie. You know, support the troops, of course. So, Ty, um, I'm a bit disappointed you didn't do research into the pants. The pants. I mean, well, I think we can just assume that it's either going to be you know some sweatpants well, or or, or khakis. But there's different colors, pal. Are there? Sometimes I mean, you just get waterproof trousers as well. That's true. That's true. We do. All right. So, so maybe we, maybe maybe we can even get more sick with it. Maybe we can make. The, maybe what we're learning here today is that this can even get sicker than it already is. Yeah, and what about the Air Monarch colors? You know. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. Like, jazzy. yeah, all, yeah, all the shoes. We can get all the shoes. We can get like if he's worn glasses during a game potentially. I think he's worn glasses in a couple of games when he's feeling particularly studious yeah yeah we could even include the you know the game where he got bopped on the nose against the saints include the bandage oh yeah like a, bandage we could, we could have a bandage column yeah right big game yeah so there's you know th- there there could be layers to this right mm. this is only the beginning basically well, what we're saying layers. is there are layers. What T-shirt was he wearing underneath some of this right, stuff? Uh, right. You kind well, of that, to that, that. that that I'm going to need sources for. So if you know Pete Carroll or if you are Pete Carroll himself, please mm-hmm. reach out and let's hammer this thing out. Yeah, because clearly there's a science to this. Yes, yes. And so you if know, you're about competition, you should want to dress to compete. You know this. Look, you know, we talk about win forever, right? This is how we figure out how to never lose a football game again. We have to find the optimal fit. And once we do, the Seahawks will never lose again. No. Well, that's perfect news. Great, great stuff. Right. I'm very happy for the Seahawks. Yeah. Word on tie. Uh, I'm a bit concerned about you, but that's okay. I'm I've definitely not being held hostage. Just to reiterate, I am not being held hostage. I am totally doing this of my free will. Mm. definitely yes this is for the passionate seahawks fans for those who want scheme and not hot take you're right anthony pasquale okay yeah so injury report that's definitely an intro that we choose that we chose yeah yeah injury report seahawks did not participate in wednesday practice Mm. can you read it in the way that i like it Mm, that sounds weird when you say it like that. I meant it to say it. I meant to say it like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Guard Phil Haynes, ankle did not participate. <laughs> Running back DJ Dallas, ankle quadricep did not participate. Cornerback Xavier Crawford, hamstring did not participate. Defensive end Shelby Harris, knee. 
did not participate. Running back, Kenneth Walker III, ankle, did not participate. Mm. Guard, Gabe Jackson, not injury-related resting player, did not participate. <laughs> Nose tackle, Al Woods, Achilles, not injury-related resting player, did not participate. Do you want to talk about these people? These players? Well, I'm... I, I mean, um, yeah, that's a lot of did not participates. Uh, but s- most of it is like rusting, mm. right? Like guys like Ken Walker. And, it's been worse in past yeah. weeks. Like, yeah, it's been, it's been way worse. And, you know, for the most part, like the, the guys like Ken Walker and, and now Woods, that's mostly just, you know, rusting guys, right? Yeah. So they're they're probably going to get back to, to practice tomorrow or the next day. So nothing to be too, too concerned about. The Dallas news is a bummer because he'd obviously yeah. emerged as like, the wildcat package uh, they were doing with him yeah and so I, working I, a bit and that would have been a wrinkle like hope, hoping that he didn't throw a pick like the first game against the right. niners but like that seemed like something they had found, so yeah so that sucks so yeah so i wanted to ask you about that actually because in my tweet about how unhinged the seahawks need to be on saturday i got a lot of people saying like yeah i want to see wildcat i want to see all this stuff mm. and some people that were theorizing that you know they were doing the wildcat on on sunday against the rams to kind of prepare to do it on saturday what do you think about that do you think that we could still even with dallas out if he does miss this game do you think we could see quite a bit of wildcat um well why that's worth it why <laughs> i that think that's the morning when, well i mean we'll get we'll talk about why that works uh, on okay. film pod tomorrow but like okay. the 49ers play uh they they play quarters defense right like the rams but the way they build their front is like an over front most of the time with width rather than what the rams do which is kind of like a weird under under kind of front um basically meaning that it works probably better against the rams defensive structure than the 49ers but i mean they have to do everything and if it works once then you know you you go no huddle you try and run the play again and uh you hope that geno smith doesn't false start because he was talking smack to Jalen ramsey (laughs) um yeah so uh probably not as effective but there are wrinkles you could do to try and make it a bit more effective. But mm. then if Dallas is out, and I mean, he's rolled his ankle again, it it seems unlikely that he's going to be able to play. But we'll see. Um, Where's Ronnie yeah. Brown when you need him? Mm. Mm. We need Ronnie Brown. What mm. is Ronnie Brown up to right now? I don't know. Mm. You, you, you can Google that. Or um, Cadillac Williams. As, actually, isn't Cadillac Williams, didn't he become a coach? Yeah, he, like yeah he was um he was doing he like uh, galvanized Auburn. Damn, that's right. Shout out to Cadillac. Yeah, he uh, yeah he he but he didn't get the job in the end, which I, I think a lot of uh didn't he get another job elsewhere though? Well, no, he's still. I think he was kept on as a assistant coach by Hugh Freeze. Gotcha. Auburn went in that direction. Yeah. Mm, um I feel you. I feel you. Cadillac was praised, I think, for uh turning a, oh, I don't know what the right phrasing is, converting a lot of players to Christianity during his Of course. Yeah. So that that mm. whole thing was going on. Anyway. Mm. Seahawks limited participants in practice, Ryan Neal with a knee injury and Nerf Fant with a, a knee injury. I think they'll both 
Neil being a limited participant suggests he's coming back, which again, that's that's pretty big. He's really making a push to play. He's been mm-hmm. a non-participant for a while. Tomorrow's practice report will be big to see if he'll be able to suit up. Abram's been fine, but he is kind of perpetually always beating coverage in a way that Kyle Shanahan will exploit. So maybe it will click for him, but he kind of is he's ultra aggressive and handsy and sort of beat deep quite a bit. Uh, it's like there's windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then full participants, Bruce Irvin, Peck, Tyler Lockett, Shin, Damian Lewis, ankle, Abraham Lucas, knee, Tariq Woolen ankle. So great news about Woolen because that looks so serious. Yeah, maybe that he's was just playing scary. through like a role. It looks like a maybe it's just like a not that severe twist or strain or something. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a pretty scary moment on Sunday when he went down. Mm-hmm. And then the 49ers are blessed with pretty good health. Obviously, Garoppolo is a non-participant. With uh... why didn't they IR him? Is there like a chance he could come back for like the NFC Championship or Super Bowl or there something must, like that? There must be. But like, why would they? I mean, like, wouldn't and they I just roll with Purdy helping, at this point? Helping in the quarterback room, like. Yeah, but couldn't he still do that if he was on IR? Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Um, and then uh, cornerback Ambry Thomas uh, didn't participate with an ankle injury, and then he had a few limited participants, but they, they'll play. They're so. all. They're all gonna play. Yeah. 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 Just... If you yeah like Christian McCaffrey's been limited in the last couple of practices, but yeah, he's playing <laughs> like. Yeah. So there you go. Hopefully Seattle's po- more positive injury report continues. It'd be nice if they can get Ryan Neal back. Yeah, cool. I think that would be pretty big for the defense. Right. So around the league tie, we had the the dark Monday, the firings mm. and the departures. Yep. And mm. as it pertains to the NFC West, there was two big moves from two other teams around the division. Firstly, Mm. the Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury, head coach, Mm -hmm. and general manager Steve Keim, where there was that weird story which came out of um, their Mexico trip, and then he was uh, uh, placed on a leave of absence for his health. He stepped down. So they've cleaned house in the front office, which is remarkable given the contracts that they gave to these guys. Like, yeah, Kingsbury is under be... contract through 2027. I think Kaim is as well, or 2028 yeah, for yeah. Kaim. Yeah, so that's a big payout. So, Bidwell clearly, I mean, I don't know how Kaim stepping down affects his compensation, but true, I know he's yeah. kind of friends with Bidwell, right? But that's a big payout. Um, and kind of what a mess, what an absolute mess in Arizona. Yeah, they just do not seem like a well-run team. Well, like, and, what's the plan? Yeah. Well, they've requested an or they've requested to interview Sean Payton, but that's going to take draft picks to to trade for him. So now you're giving up future capital when they really need to replenish that roster uh, for a coach who, you know. Sean Payton's good coach, don't get me wrong, but like still coach. <laughs> yeah. And it was 10 like, months ago, Ty, that they extended Cliff and Kime. It's just nuts. And yeah. in their history, which is an over a hundred year old franchise, yeah. 
the Cardinals, obviously they weren't always in Arizona, but the Cardinals as a, as a franchise have never had a head coach, any head coach, last longer than six years with the team. That's insane. That's <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I mean, like, I, I think that they did need to make a change because it was it was pretty clear that Cliff lost that locker room uh, and he lost Kyler. I mean, like, mm. Kyler is, like, talking back to him, like, on the field and whatnot. Like, that's not, like, you can't have that. Oh, and they were um, awful, by the way. Don't, yeah, don't they get were that. Awful. Don't get don't be mistaken. Like they, they were one of yeah. the worst teams. Like you watch the tape, uh, it looks like they're trying to lose at times. Like, yeah. they're bad, they're bad. Um so yeah. th- something had to happen, but it's just yeah. a mess. Yeah, that just seems like a, a lack of uh control there. Um and mm. a lack of and a lack of culture, honestly. So, you know, uh, for for their sake, I mean, like, obviously for us, like, I hope that they lose forever. Um, but, uh, yeah, for, for their sake, you know, hopefully they uh, they can find someone that can build a culture there and get Kyler on the right track. And, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, man, you know, if, the, if it ends up being Sean Payton, like, I'm, I'm sure he'll help turn things around a little bit. But in terms of just, like, assets, like, if they're giving up assets for him, I just I don't know what that's going to look like and how much that's going to take away from their future. So they better be right because right. they're probably not going to be able to get out of another contract. Right, right, and like Peyton's interesting. Like I think you know he's been linked with Denver as well because it's you know obviously yeah. he worked with Drew Brees and he's a shorter quarterback and so Russell Wilson also a well-known shorter quarterback. So is Kyler Murray, but like mm. Brees had really really clever ability to find like despite his height he would hang in pockets and move up in the interior of the pocket and find lanes that he shouldn't have nailed to given his height russell doesn't do that kyler murray definitely doesn't do that so that would be an adaptation for peyton i remember he was on air and during his brief spell as a uh, broadcaster and he said about how you know, he'd move the pocket for Russell Wilson, which is like it's like very uh, you know basic analysis. You know, I mean, we've heard that. You know, he's doing his, yeah. he's doing his he's doing his he's doing his job. But I, you know, there's only so much that you can do. It'd be interesting to see. The, I'm sure he'd have his gadget plays and all that stuff. But the Kyler Murray's an interesting one because it's like, you know, can he be salvaged coming off a really serious injury? Um, hasn't really learned how to play within the structure of like an NFL offense yet. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but it's kind of a mess. There's definitely selling points on that team, but there's also a lot of more more than the selling points. There's a lot of concerns you'd have if you were interviewing as a, to be a head coach there. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, so the McVay stuff. Yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So then the other news is Sean McVay hasn't made a decision on his future, but like a lot of Rams fans were saying that his post game press conference after the Seahawks week 18 defeat was him looking kind of checked out. And he only gave like a three minute presser. I don't know what's normal for him, but that, that he's just seemed to want to get out of there, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN reported that McVay's allowed his coaching staff to search for other jobs without resistance per sources. Even if it's a lateral move, um, it came out. Even if it's a lateral move, so you know, if he's an assistant going to go be an assistant somewhere else, he's fine with it. He won't block that kind of opportunity next year. 
which therefore suggests that McVeigh, who's had question marks about his future since winning the Super Bowl last year, it's like, is he going to come back? Is he not? There's also stuff about Aaron Donald retiring, Matt Stafford. Aaron Donald didn't play in Week 18. Stafford said he'll, he'll be back. And McVeigh, the murmurings have come up again that he's going to retire. He's done with it. Um, he needs mm. a sabbatical. Or, and obviously there's there was talk, again, going back to last year about how much money he'd get paid as a broadcaster become the new, hopefully not problematic, uh, John Gruden, you know, that kind of uh, instance. Uh, and he, it seems like he's worn down by it. Also, as um, has been pointed out, McVeigh uh, lost his grandfather um, earlier in the year. Um, and his wife's family is literally from Ukraine and in a war zone gotcha. right now. So gotcha. there's a lot going on. Uh, there as well, like in his personal life, which we don't we don't know much of, but you can sort of colour in between the lines, right? So, yeah, that's a, a, be a huge loss because obviously McVeigh's a brilliant coach. He almost got Pete again um, in Week 18. One of the like best play designers and best play callers that I've seen and his ability to adapt to his quarterback and his the talent in his offence each year is just superb. An absolute nightmare for the Seahawks, very rare that Pete Carroll, you know, got the best of him, especially from an offense versus defense standpoint. Uh, so that would be a huge loss for the NFL and the NFC West. Although a big positive for Seattle in this, in the sense that whoever the Rams turn to is not going to be as talented as McVeigh. It's a very very difficult job to replace him. There's an argument that you go and get like a defensive whiz kid or whatever because just the offensive vacuum is just so great. Um, mm. And then, Ty, they, like, they, once you remove McVeigh from the equation and nothing is certain, but if all of the signs are pointing towards it being over with him, then it's like, well, the Rams' bold strategy with Les Snead as general manager was going all the heck, heck in, in a way that we've rarely seen in the NFL, right? Like, they took it to the max. Mm -hmm. and what's the future of the team like well and that's part of the reason that mcveigh probably doesn't want to be there right is that you're looking at a multi-year rebuild because when's when's even the next time that they have a first round pick like two years from now like like they they're gonna have a really hard time with all the money that they have committed and the lack of draft capital to replenish their roster to to rebuild their roster in any sort of way so they're just kind of gonna have to eat it a little bit i mean but you know if it gets to a point where mcveigh leaves donald retires do they start to consider trading you know jalen ramsey do they consider trading cooper cup i don't know you know what those situations look like and if that's even plausible with their contracts right now but you know that uh, i mean that's one way to to get back assets but this is going to be a this is going to be a long term thing for them. It seems so. You know, um, I mean, the plan ultimately worked because they got a championship out of it, right? So, you know, you can't really fault them too much. Um, but now, you know, you kind of have to to pay the price of that potentially. Yeah, so. it's just a philosophical decision that they're probably aware of being. It's a risk down the line. They had mm -hmm. they got their Super Bowl out of it, and they mm -hmm. also reached another Super Bowl before that when they. I don't know if they were going quite as in, but you know, with Jared Goff no. when he, they had him on a rookie contract, so there's no need to go quite as in. But um, yeah, that's a tough one. 
And it's the reason why Seattle and John Schneider, yeah, they, they make some home run swings and they miss a tiny bit as well. But um, they have openly said that they never want to be in a position where as a front office, they've put a team in a, a year of complete like decline and ruin as the Saints sometimes get in as well with the, their cap management and their aggression. Well, and the Seahawks kind of did that in 2021 with the lack of draft picks, right? You know, and mm. they didn't really hit on the draft picks. Stone Forsyth didn't really play. Uh, Trey, you know, played really well when he did play, but he got hurt. And then D hasn't really worked out. So, you know, and those were their only three picks. You know, so like I, I think they also see that, you know, and go, we don't want to ever be in that position again. Because that was just kind of a lost year in terms of adding, you know, talent, which would have been really valuable considering, you know, the the heel turn here. Um this year so yeah then the roster it is pretty notable that they are missing like that kind of class like yeah as much as they said that covid made it a weird year which i'm sure it did but like yeah there were still a lot of quality players that got drafted out of that class you know so and that was hope yeah but that's what makes you know 2023 so important you know for for this draft is really it's just it's kind of it's it's rounding this thing out really and and adding the rest of that you know missing young talent that they uh that they you know just completely avoided in 2021 and like circling this back to the rams and also like looking at seattle's past draft class like those kind of day three supplementary picks are really what builds the team like the rams had great Mm. stars but their ability to then draft uh the kind of role players in the back end of it was big and obviously seattle is looking like you know old style seattle drafting with their day three kind of picks so yeah yeah, I mean this this draft, this 2022 draft is going to go down as one of their best, if not their like the best, even you know compared to 2012 because of just the sheer volume of uh, mm. of guys of quality players that they've they've added this year. And so you know we'll see how it ages over the next few mm. years. But what do you got pulled up there? So we we on the subject of coaches being hired and fired and all of that stuff. We got a question mm. midweek from uh, at Crew Analytics, who they asked, "Are you guys surprised it's only Sean Desai and the coaching staff who's been requested for an interview with another team so far? I felt like Shane Waldron might get interest, but not seen any links so far." That's a very interesting question because if we the news is that Sean Desai got requested for interview by the Cleveland Browns for their defensive coordinator position after they fired Joe Woods. Mm-hmm. Now, we can you can break that down in different parts, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the Desai thing is is a different kind of factor going on here. Um, because it's interesting we we don't know the exact situation but you can kind of guess what's going on you can read in between the lines again Mm -hmm. yeah and seattle's defensive struggles this season have been sort of moving to this like two four even front world on defense where they've they've struggled with the run fits and players have struggled with what they're asking of them then mid-season they went back to more bare fronts and playing more aggressive and more power stepping, less uh, mirror stepping, one and a half to like sort of two gapping almost. Um, and then they're back running 4-2, 2-4 fronts. Well, Desai ran these 2-4, 4-2 fronts loads in Chicago in 2021. 
to the point that like he did it against Rashad Penny, remember? And Penny went off, and they just still stayed in too high, two four four two kind of looking deals, nickel fronts. Um, so you can glean that was his main influence on this defensive system. Seattle sort of mm-hmm. corrected a few things, but the way they're doing it now is more with like one high safety, middle field close, and honestly, it looks very much like their defensive scheme from 2010 to 2019 before the bare front became a thing where they're a base under team with a bit of over okay it's now technically with more like actual three four personnel two Mm. stand-up edges and then down the line they're they're when they get into nickel they're like nickel over cover three with a tiny bit of middle field open stuff so the size influence is uh, I don't know how much he's been heard, so maybe he'd want out on that. He right. may also just want the opportunity to call plays after years as an associate head coach. Um, but a lot of the year for the Seahawks defense, I'm describing a lot of chopping and changing. It's like they've run three defenses in one year. That suggests like philosophical, um, technical, schematic uh, conflict, uh, confusion, uncertainty among the coaching staff, and then transferring that onto the players as well. So. I don't know. So am I surprised about um, Desai getting an interview? No. I know you said only Desai, Kurana, so we'll no. get to that. But Yeah. No, no, because like he does have a, a reputation, you know, a good reputation yeah. around the league, it seems. So it, it makes sense that someone would be interested in him for that kind of job because right now he's not a play caller. So teams know that they can, they can probably pry him away uh, with a you know, with a better position than what he what he currently has, because Seahawks probably aren't going to move off of Clint Hart for to give him a you know to give Desai a play calling job. So if he can find that elsewhere, then he's probably going to take it. If I had to assume, and you know, we've had the conversation on here about too many cooks and all that uh, with you know Pete and Clint and Sean and you know even um, even guys like Carl Scott. So you know maybe. Uh, Maybe it's an addition by subtraction in a way, um, mm. and just and not having that too that... many conflicting voices, right? And that's right. nothing. And that's not to say like anything against like Sean Desai or Clint Hurd or anyone. It's just when you have a lot of conflicting voices, when you have a lot of differing opinions coming at you all at once, like things can get out of hand pretty quickly there. So, mm. and we should say like the they have raved about the players in the off season, in particular the preseason stuff. The DBs, like Quandre Diggs, for instance, they raved about uh, Sean Desai's teaching and the, the coaching that he was giving them and the new voice that he was. So, yeah, it's, all, it's maybe just not the right fit. We'll, we'll see. Now, but I w- there's definitely a reason for him, that we can see, for him wanting to leave other than the opportunity to go and call plays. So there's like sort of two big things, I'd say. Now... Am I su- are we surprised that it's only the sign the coaching staff who's been requested for an interview with another team when you mentioned Shane Waldron? Um, yeah, I guess, because if you revisit our podcast from early in the season, we're saying Waldron's a lock to be gone, Ty. Yeah, yeah, we were just like, yeah, he's, 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 he's out. Um, but, you know, the, the offense has regressed a little bit, and, you know, he's had some... I mean, we talked about it, right? Like, you didn't like the way that he called the the San Francisco game. Obviously, this game was not great either uh, from a from a play calling standpoint. It seemed I feel like maybe that's cooled off a little bit on Waldron. So 
Um, I don't know if he'll get any like head coach opportunities because I really that would be the only next step that he could take since he's already calling plays in Seattle unless he just wants to change the scenery. Um, mm. Maybe a team like Houston comes calling after you know they inevitably don't get Sean Payton, <laughs> you know. But also, who wants the Houston job after they've fired you know two coaches after one season in the midst of a rebuild? You know when they're definitely going to suck no matter who's the head coach whatever that's a whole another conversation there's a lot we don't have to worry about that we we don't we don't have to worry about that it's a whole different problem that's that's a really disgusting situation though that's all i'll say about that anywho uh i yeah i don't really see waldron uh getting many uh head coaching opportunities this offseason just kind of with the way that the second half has gone um and again we just haven't heard about him so and usually you would hear things like you would hear like even just you know people that have sources just kind of throw his name out there just like keep an eye on him and you know keep an eye on Shane Walter or whatever. um, Carl Scott's name has been mentioned and and rumored I think you know uh, not suggesting this happens uh, this is exactly what's happened with Carl Scott but with other coaches and like the names which come about now that's you know murmurings around the league you know that's agents talking to teams that's agents doing the work to to get their client's name out there, but it's also teams, you know, saying who they're interested in. Like the fact there's been no talk about Waldron is, um, yeah, it's kind of indicative. I mean, and, and, you know, what's an actual promotion for him? Well, maybe next year he's made an associate head coach. If Pete Carroll feels that that's the the move, but like, you know, an actual promotion for him other than that really would be to be a head coach. And he hasn't had any of that talk now. Also, you know, one idea real quick just popped in my head maybe mm-hmm. he goes to la maybe he's willing to take on that if, if mcveigh leaves right go back yeah, that that's a good idea that's you, you're right that could be the one situation but the yeah. fact that like Pete, i mean with Waldron, i was wondering if he was going to be in danger because the lows in the offense have been like a repeated thing where yeah. just the offense as a whole just cannot execute in certain elements of the game particularly like there's like second half periods where it all just goes to crap and it's like why is this happening and at a certain point there's you know that happened with russell wilson that's quarterback happened with gino smith at quarterback with the gino stuff like there's not much on the table but i'm like gino didn't execute this play properly like he's the process is fine he's just guys aren't open guys aren't executing that kind of stuff well then at a certain point a play caller does come under fire i think though you know pete's comments after the season when they didn't know if they're making the playoffs or not about how the system is so quarterback friendly and how he's a big fan of the system. They suggest that Waldron's fine and safe. And, you know, it's not ideal that it seems like Pete had to step in to get them to run the football and, and to sort of, okay, our pass protection struggling. We're struggling in these areas. We're turning the ball over a bit too much. We're taking a few too many sacks. We need to really get back into the run game and try and get a chemistry going because we're broken there. It's not ideal that he clearly, you know, well, from the outside, it seems obvious that he stepped in to make that happen in the second half of the Kansas City Chiefs game. But nevertheless, it seems like Waldron's fine and maybe an associate head coach promotion comes with that. Maybe it's not needed. I, I don't know how all that works. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Waldron realistically, his second half of the season, despite the way that Geno Smith is comeback player of the year, unless uh, DeMar Hamlin gets that, but... um. You know, Gina Smith on the season is the comeback player of the year. So, you know, even with that, and even with, you know, the, the first half was brilliant, but the second half has kind of gone to crap a bit. And 
hopefully they can bounce back to the playoffs. But yeah, I'm not surprised that Walton's not getting interest based on how it's how it the whole the whole body of work for the season. No, no surprises for me. But that yeah. Rams idea tie is a good one. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he's one because like again, it's gonna have to take someone that knows that they're gonna have to kind of undergo a, a really long rebuild period and just kind of try to make the most of it so that's not going to be a really attractive spot for a lot of people obviously you know getting to coach in la and all that has its advantages of course but um you know just the situation overall it's not like your record's not going to look pretty like if you're if you're a coach trying to kind of build your your resume like it's not it's probably not going to go well for you because there's just not a lot of opportunities to add talent right now in la so um so yeah maybe that's an opportunity where someone like shane waldron who typically wouldn't get a head coaching opportunity uh becomes uh becomes an option there mm. but we'll see so quandre Diggs tie was named nfc defensive player of the week for week 18 after his interception versus baker mayfield and rams how many player of the weeks did the seahawks end up with this year from rookies that and, would be good to know ty wouldn't it that would that would be stat boy See, and not, that's and that's I'm, why you'll always be stat off. boy and not stat man i have the night off i've got uh, all this out of the start um mm. yeah but they, they've had quite a few um they've had quite he's a the few third this year. seahawks player to earn defensive player of the week honors okay and the go. fifth player to earn player of the week honors only the fifth? No, that can't be right. Because there's also like offensive like rookie of the week and like like Gino's one uh, player of the week at least once. Kenneth Walker's been rookie of the week. Like Tariq Wollin's been rookie of the week. A couple Would times, you like I me think. to read it all out? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Uh Uchen in the Wosu, week one defensive player of the week. Tariq right. Wollin, week six defensive player of the week. Okay. Gino Smith, offense. Uh, week four defensive uh, offensive player of the week. Uh, Will Disley special teams week eight player of the week. Uh, Gino NFC offensive player of the month for October. Woolen and Kenneth Walker the third NFL defensive and offensive rookies of the month honors in October. Oh yeah, you know that's what I was thinking about. They don't do rookie of the week. They do rookie of the month. That's right. See, I'm a I'm a dum dum. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all good. All right. And uh, Walker's. Uh, up for FedEx ground player of the week uh, this week, but he won that in week seven. He, Maddie, he was also named the fantasy rookie of the year by ESPN. You know that? No, that seems odd. Did was he that good? I had him on my team. I didn't. I had him, I had him on my team. Yeah, I mean he's hmm. pretty good. I mean, like the Chargers game, obviously, like he popped off. Um, didn't he pop off in like the Giants game or something like that? I think he put up like twenty something points in the Giants game. Um, he had a couple of like big, big weeks, hmm. so it makes sense. I mean, there weren't like a lot of good like fantasy producers, like rookie fantasy producers this year, like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson for sure, especially in the second half. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then another Seahawk was mentioned in some sort of end-of-season style honours. The NFL players released their All-Pro team, which Mm. is pretty damn solid, other than the inclusion of Aaron Donald is very much a respect vote, given he missed six games this year. No, By no means his best year, but, like, it is also Aaron Donald. But, like, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Quinn and Williams had like a great year, for instance. So. Well, like, yeah, like I, I gotta, I gotta wonder, like, with this, like, how, how much, like, are these, like, the players that actually voted in this thing, how much are they actually watching these guys? That said, though, Ty, like, the rest of it is kind of they nailed it. I'd say. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, how, like how, but like, I don't know, like how, how much is like a wide receiver who's voting in this, like watching Dexter Lawrence, you know, maybe, <laughs> like, well, maybe, maybe that's, maybe they only ask against like, I don't uh, know how okay. the process works. It's like, all right, offensive linemen, you vote for the defensive line guys and other offensive linemen or something. I don't know. Maybe it's like that. Uh, well, the NFL players association did explain the voting process. Ooh. Only active NFL players can vote, and they get only one vote. If a player missed five or more games as of week 15, then they are ineligible. So Donald almost missed out. This is to ensure that they're choosing the best players who had the most impact this season. Being available counts. Players cannot vote for themselves or for their own teammates. Players vote for the position group they play in and line up against. For example, so there you go. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So centers can vote for the best center in the league, the best nose tackle in the league, the best interior defensive lineman in the league, the best off ball linebacker in the league. Gotcha. All right. Cool. All right. So they do account for that. We had each various player leaders from each team nominate their two best special teams players or core teamers for the ballot. We wanted the locker rooms to decide who should represent their team in that position. And on the subject, they put a lot of thought into that. They did. And on the subject of special teams, the only Seahawk representative in this is kicker Jason Myers, who makes J-Mai. the team despite his miss in Week 18. He was very good on the year. Good for yeah. him. Yeah, only missed three kicks, I think, in the entire year. I don't know mm. about extra points, but I think it was—I think he was like 34 or 37. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and he made—I think he was five of six or six of six from 50 plus this year. So. He had a really good year as far as kickers go. And, you know, with all pro, right? Like that also takes in, you know, the AFC into account. So like to be able to beat guys like uh like Justin Tucker, like that's pretty big for you as a as a kicker. I don't know what kind of year Tucker had. Maybe he had a down year by his standards, but like, you know, you think of some of the names that are in this league uh, in terms of kickers, that's a that's a pretty big accomplishment for Jason Myers. So good for him. Congratulations. Yeah, and just to put into context how tough this trip to the 49ers is, they're represented. So left tackle Trent Williams makes the team. Um, yep. He's fullback a fullback. Kyle Juszczyk makes the team, which like he is the one of the few fullbacks, and he is a great fullback. So there you go. And he's used in a very good way. Then edge rusher Nick Bosa made the team. Mm-hmm. Off-ball linebacker Fred Warner made the team as well. Yep. So yep. They're, they're stacked. We knew that they were stacked. Uh, it is what it is. Their offense is still nuts now that it's healthy. Like, I don't, I don't like you know, you, uh, Purdy makes the throws that he needs to, but like you've got Kittle, Juice Check, McCaffrey with Mitchell backing up, which isn't bad. Then Debo Samuel and uh, Ayuk. Like, you're not making me good. feel very good about Saturday right now. No, uh, no, 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 that's fine. I, there's no, I thought there's this, I thought this was, I, I thought this was the Cope show, Maddie. Oh right, that's, that's right. Show. the 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 one third of us that actually copes is not here, though. So, this is not the cope show. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Very good point. Anyway, that is the end to the show. Uh, please mm. like the video. We we've had a lot of people in here. It's very again. We appreciate that magnificent stuff. Comment if you haven't already. 
There are donation links. Don't feel like the video. Like the video. Wait, how many likes do we have? How many likes do we have? We need to. We need to check this. We should have done this earlier. Uh, there are also donation links where there's a Stripe thing, which all the donations get shared even well, evenly, thirdly between us. But you don't feel obliged. What you should feel obliged is like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, five star reviews, please. We're still getting them, and they're very nice to read. Thank you very mm. much. But follow the Twitter at Seattle Overload. Follow Ty at Dane Gunzelers. Follow me at Matty F Brown. Follow the podcast at Seattle Overload. Ty, how many likes have we got? So there's 25 of you watching right now. We only have 16 likes, so nine not of good you, enough. nine Eight, of you that are watching, you have are not liked the video. Yeah, That's you're tripping. Cool. Y'all, y'all are tripping right now. So like the video, do that right now, fix that, and then once you do, subscribe if you haven't already. Like, subscribe, review, download the podcast, and mm. we appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with the film podcast, and then we'll be back saturday ty may not be there but we'll be back saturday with our live reaction to the seahawks amazing victory in san francisco and to be clear i won't be there because you know if it doesn't go well i i might be inconsolable so yeah ty's soft yeah yeah i'm soft i'm scared to compete